0: Labour pains. Once the NDP becomes a government, they watch the bottom line. The BC NDP struggles to sign contracts with its biggest unions, despite the party's pro-worker roots. BC's cannabis supply dries up.
1: We have about a week or two of healthy inventory.
0: Why some businesses are blaming the strike. And slow sailing. We were really lucky coming down here. We knew it couldn't last. How mechanical malfunctions crippled ferry service to the Sunshine Coast. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at six. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sophie is off this week. The longer the BCGEU strike goes on, the more public services are at risk. And with several former labor leaders in the NDP caucus, Aaron MacArthur shows us why there could be some awkward conversations behind closed doors.
2: So, so, so.
0: The picket lines are still up. But the BCGEU
3: is going back to the table. The government and public sector unions set to discuss what is being described as a significant development. This deal likely setting the baseline for other public sector unions with expiring contracts.
2: I think the public sector unions are expecting something here. That there is any friction
3: between the NDP and the BCGEU might come as a bit of surprise to many in this province. THE NDP PRIDES ITSELF ON BEING THE PARTY OF LABOR. GREETINGS FRIENDS, PREMIER JOHN HORGAN HERE. THE PREMIER USUALLY ROLLING OUT A SPLASHY LABOR DAY MESSAGE TO THE CORE SUPPORTERS EVERY YEAR.
4: AND HAVE A HAPPY LABOR DAY.
3: BUT WITH SEVERAL MAJOR UNION CONTRACTS SET TO EXPIRE, THE REALITY OF THE SITUATION MEANS PROVINCIAL FINANCES (laughs) OFTEN OUTWEIGH ANY PARTY AFFILIATIONS. FAIRLY OR NOT,
2: THEY HAVE BEEN ASSOCIATED WITH GIVING PUBLIC SECTOR UNIONS GOOD SWEET DEALS IN THE PAST. They don't want to be seen doing that again, lest it uh, hurt their popularity with with the general public.
3: Internally, there are plenty of people within the NDP that are uncomfortable with the current state of negotiations. Three current and former government ministers used to represent public sector unions. George Heyman was head of the BCGEU. Jennifer Whiteside led the negotiating team for the HEU. And Ginny Sims sat as president of the BCTF. Externally, the cracks are apparent. Leadership Longshot, Angelia Puradai, and MLA Henry Yao taking to Twitter to offer their support. Cabinet ministers, careful with answers to questions.
5: NEGOTIATION IS ALWAYS BEST DONE AT THE BARGAINING TABLE. NOBODY WANTS TO SEE ANYBODY WALKING A PICKET LINE. I KNOW THAT WE WILL GET THERE, AS WE HAVE DONE ON SO MANY OCCASIONS.
3: The BCGEU and the government are still ironing out the details for their next set of negotiations. The picket lines will stay up until a deal is reached or some progress is made. Aaron McCarthy,
0: Global News. Well, Keith Baldry joins us now with some more encouraging news. The HEU, the health sector, is heading back to the bargaining table too, Keith.
6: Yeah, what a difference a few hours make, Chris. This time last night, uh, we were talking about how prospects were bleak about returning to the table. Uh, late last night, the, uh, the employer contacted the BCG to get back to the table on Thursday. And as soon as that was announced, the H.E.U., which had suspended talks when job action was served notice, uh, announced that they're going back to the table. And again, they're issuing some very favorable and optimistic language. Mina Pizard, the Secretary uh, Treasurer for the BC uh, for the H.E.U., says, "We look forward to getting back to the table on Thursday to build." On our very productive discussions on how to address the staffing pressures facing our members on the front lines of the health care system. Again, very optimistic language there. She went on to say that protecting health care workers' wages against rising costs is the key bargaining issue, so we're hopeful that government and employers are prepared to improve their position. It's interesting, the HEU is likely looking at a very similar deal that the BCGU has so far rejected. That notice they put out the day the BCGU served strike notice referred to some significant Momentum making uh, occurring at their contract table. So, very much uh, keep an eye on the HEU here. They seem to be viewing what's in front of them in much more favorable fashion than the BCGU. And again, I don't think there's much difference between the offers be- uh, being offered to the two unions. So encouraging news on both developments.
0: It is. Let's hope there's a resolution soon. Okay, thanks very much, Keith. It has been just over a week since members of the BCGEU hit the picket lines, and now private cannabis retailers are caught in the crossfire. Local shops are watching their supply of product dwindle and they are bracing for some empty shelves, taya Fast reports.
1: This is the inventory levels as of today are Already below what our average is.
7: Staff here at Cannabis Cottage in
1: Penticton are bracing for emptier shelves. We have about a week or two of healthy inventory, but it's going to start to feel like emptier shelves as we get towards the end or middle of next week.
7: Cannabis retailers have been caught in the crossfire with the BCGEU strike outside of BC Liquor Distribution branches. The strike means private cannabis stores can't access product despite having no part in the union or fight
1: say this were to carry on indefinitely at some point we would have to close and i really am just hoping not to get to that point
7: on tuesday the union said bargaining will resume soon while job action will continue until further notice but retailers say the longer that
1: this strike drags on the more significant the consequences will be. Um, it's too restricted, it's overregulated, and that actually is contributing to the healthy, thriving status of illicit cannabis industry that is still very much alive, especially in the interior of British Columbia.
7: The province was looking at allowing cannabis stores to accept direct deliveries from licensed producers, but until that happens, private retailers have to go through government distribution channels. It never should have been through a distribution branch in the first place. I feel like retailers and their staff should have a better relationship with the producer. The cottage says the uncertainty has led some neighbors to reduce
1: their hours and some have closed altogether. There's a fellow retailer that they have two locations so they chose to consolidate product. Um, from the one here downtown Penticton to their other location.
7: Retailers and producers and advocates and consumers have been working really hard for the last three years to build a solid industry in B.C. and this is just a major setback. Meanwhile, she says she understands why the job action is happening but is worried whether her and her fellow bud tenders will have a job next week. As an employee... Um, I support workers' rights, but at the same time, I'm also a worker, and I don't know if I'm going to have a
0: job <laughs> in
7: the next few weeks, you know, so, so it's concerning. Taya Fast, Global News, Penticton.
0: Students and teachers are heading back to the classroom in just a couple of weeks, and that has the province preparing for another school year during a pandemic. And as Richard Zussman reports, a lot of people are hoping for more defined rules and mandates to help stop the spread of COVID-19.
2: In the dying days of summer, what back-to-school looks like couldn't be further from these kids' minds. But with the calendar soon flipping to September, there is work being done on a back-to-school plan.
0: I don't think you're going to see very you know, significant or substantial changes, both for schools and and uh, at the same time for child care.
2: This will mean the province will continue to require children who test positive for COVID to remain home from school and encourage those in the K-12 to system to stay home with any sort of illness.
0: We want to continue to... Uh, Use the things that we've learned in this time, whether it's hand washing, whether it's caution, whether it's respect for one another.
2: The BC Teachers Federation is calling on the province not to remove any of the current guidelines while also expanding and fast tracking ventilation systems.
8: What we don't want to see is anything drop. So, what we're really pushing right now when we're at those tables is the ventilation
9: piece. Carry that work on, upgrade those pieces that still need upgrading. The
2: BC Teachers Federation would also like to see N95 masks available for anyone in the school who would like to use them, but they would not be required. The Safer School Coalition going one more step and saying masks should be mandatory in classrooms. You know, we don't just suggest that people put car seats in their cars for children um, under a certain age or, or a certain weight. They have to. Even if it's inconvenient, you need to do it. The province has no plans to bring back the mask mandate, which will frustrate some teachers who are in the midst of bargaining a new contract. The union still doesn't have an offer that provides cost of living protection and an acknowledgement of what teachers have gone through during the pandemic.
9: And the working conditions of teachers, they need some improvements. So people
8: see this as something they could do for decades as a career uh, and not burn out.
2: The province's updated back-to-school plan expected at some point over the next week enough time to get some last few swings in. Richie Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
0: Travel chaos hit the Sunshine Coast today. Mechanical problems led to cancelled sailings and extended delays at the terminals. BC ferries brought in a replacement boat, but even that one had issues. Grace Key reports.
10: It was a long wait for travelers between Horseshoe Bay and Langdale. A mechanical issue put everything behind schedule. Some with reservations were able to catch their 1210 sailing, but they showed up early. I'm so stressed Well, I've got little ones and I've got dogs and it's hot. And...
2: We thought, let's just get there as soon as the 1210 left. So we got there before it left and uh, they said, yeah, well, 225, come on down. And we were the last one they let through.
10: An early morning sailing had to be cancelled and the Queen of Coquitlam brought in instead. But adding to the problem, the Queen of Surrey was tying up a double-deck berth in Langdale as it was undergoing repairs. That meant cars were unable
11: to load the upper deck of the Coquitlam. Because we moved the Queen of Surrey crew over to the Coquitlam this morning to get it running, uh, we did uh, have uh, an issue with crew availability as far as uh, getting the Queen of Surrey out of the way.
10: While the empty space was great for some...
1: None of the gates opened, so then you can just run around everywhere.
10: For those without reservations, it was about a five-hour wait.
5: But we didn't have a reservation. Inexperienced, first time down, so live and
1: learn, right?
10: What have you been doing all this time?
1: Just sitting.
10: (laughs) (laughs) So where are you now? Um, We're not in in the upper section. So we're we're in the lot, but in the upper lot. Getting we're getting closer. About 2.45, the Queen of Surrey was back up and running. The Coquitlam was going to make one last round trip to help with the backlog. But then the Coquitlam was hit with a fuel pump issue, causing about an hour delay. These were the lucky ones who got on the Coquitlam in Langdale just before it broke down in Horseshoe Bay. We got on. We're at the back of the boat, but we're on. Grace Key, Global News.
0: And that is success. Coming up, stalled at the starting line, the city's eFest embarrassment, and how the company that failed to bring the race to Vancouver just disappointed ticket holders all over again. That's next on the News Hour. This way. Modern vintage, a local photographer not afraid to do some heavy lifting, and when you see the results, you'll understand why. That's later. Also, germ-killing robots so successful in Fraser Health they're expanding the family. That's coming up as well, but right now, it looks like people who bought tickets to the ill-fated Vancouver E-Fest car race and festival aren't getting a refund anytime soon. Some shelled out hundreds of dollars. And as Kamal Kuramali shows us, the bump in the road that prevents them from getting their money back.
9: The promise of fast cars tearing down False Creek had Vancouver racing fans buzzing. But when organizers called off the event in April, it became a frantic race for fans to try and get their money back. You shouldn't have to fight to get your money back. Michael Cox is out nearly $700. Very disappointing. An organizing body should be a much more um, committed to its customers if, if something goes sideways. Now, the city of Vancouver says the organizers' one-stop strategy group has turned down a proposal that likely would have seen ticket holders reimbursed. The city said it had received a $500,000 deposit from OSS, but city council agreed it's now willing to refund what it calls the performance security payment with set conditions. That the funds be used by OSS to pay its financial obligations, including refunding ticket holders, suppliers and Sponsors with a jointly retained lawyer to facilitate the repayment process. The city says OSS has now rejected those conditions. We'd like to see that money go back to the ticket holders who are, you know, obviously disappointed. Hi, this is Kamal with Global News. We spoke earlier. Global News spoke to the company's CEO, who says the current proposal by the city was, quote, impossible to accept, but couldn't say why, because both parties' lawyers are in discussions. Oh. Roughly 36,000 tickets were sold to the event. Do you not agree that um, they are, uh, that some of that money should be granted back to those? Absolutely, absolutely, of course. And that is exactly what will happen to the money if the city of Vancouver goes back to us. Meanwhile, fans no longer sitting idle. Cox said he's reached out to his credit card company to get them to refund the cost for now. So I filed a dispute claim and they credited the full amount right away on a temporary basis while they do the dispute investigation. Now vowing to sit on the sidelines if the sport ever returns to Vancouver. Kamal Karamali, Global News.
0: The push to stop Asian hate crimes... Why do
9: we have to bend over backwards?
0: Coming up, police appeal for you to share it with them instead of social media. And Kelowna police brutally honest about a bad guy they just can't keep in custody.
12: Good evening. It's a bad scene here in Ladner where there is a multi-vehicle crash, a rollover crash that's affecting the entire intersection of Ladner Trunk Road and Highway 17A. Westbound Ladner Trunk is still completely blocked and southbound traffic is heavily backed up as well. Through Kermak Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermak, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermac Cares for Kids. I'm Trish, you in Global One, high above a crash in Delta.
0: Kelowna RCMP are warning the public about the release of a prolific offender. RCMP say 45-year-old Justin Collins has generated more than 421 police files with 64 total charges against him just since 2016. They include violent assaults, robbery, and indecent acts. On August 21st, Collins was arrested again, appeared before a judge, and subsequently was released by the courts with further conditions. However... RCMP say Collins has no respect for the justice system and blatantly disregards conditions imposed. So due to safety concerns, RCMP are taking the unusual step of advising the public that he's being released, saying, quote, he is presenting no signs of becoming healthier in society. So if you see Collins breaking the law, RCMP say call 911 immediately. A murder charge has been laid in connection with a homicide in Langley earlier this year. On March 29th, RCMP were called to a wooded area where they found a body later identified as 29-year-old Nicholas Ball of Langley. Police say during the course of their investigation, they identified a suspect who they believed was responsible. And today, 40-year-old Jason Griffiths of Langley was arrested. He is now charged with second-degree murder. A new campaign in Richmond is asking people who witness racist incidents to use their phones to call police instead of hitting record. It comes after a string of events were made public on social media, but not reported to police. Officers found out about them at the same time as the public. Imadagahi reports. Where
5: is she from? Where is she Where does she
9: well, you're in Canada.
13: The situation here escalates and on another day could have gone further. Why
9: do we have to bend over backwards? You move to Japan, you learn Japanese because you're in Japan.
13: The unsolicited verbal tirade that clearly targets a group of women for simply speaking their own language is on RCMP radar.
14: That's racist, man.
13: No, it's not. The problem is police didn't know about it until it had already blown up on social media.
4: So it's very difficult to launch an investigation into these things if we don't have someone formally come forward to report it to us. Call us when they experience a hate incident.
13: Now, Richmond RCMP and the city have joined on a call to action asking people who encounter situations like this.
5: Fuck you, f*** your f***ing Chinese mother...
13: TO NOT ONLY RECORD ON THEIR CELL PHONE AND POST ONLINE, BUT ALSO REPORT RACIALLY MOTIVATED INCIDENTS DIRECTLY TO POLICE.
2: THE NATURAL TENDENCY I THINK IN MOST CASES IS JUST EVEN THOUGH YOU'RE UPSET, YOU JUST IGNORE IT AND JUST LIFE GOES ON. DON'T LET IT uh, HAPPEN. DON'T IGNORE IT do something about it even if it's just phoning the RCMP letting them know about the incident.
1: You don't know a damn thing go back to China where you belong.
13: According to the Richmond RCMP's quarterly report to city council hate crimes and hate incidents that were reported spiked at the beginning of the pandemic and increased even more during a time when stricter restrictions were in place but since then and so far in 2022 the numbers are trending back down. If people want to help us
8: stop
4: this behaviour, they need to report this stuff to us.
8: Bro, you don't have the right to tell people what they speak.
13: Police also promising they will investigate each incident, even those that do not immediately appear criminal. Emad Global
0: News. Former B.C. Public Safety Minister and Solicitor General Cash Heed will be running for Richmond City Council in the upcoming municipal election. He'd spent more than 30 years in policing before becoming a politician politician back in 2009 under the B.C. Liberal banner. He was a VPD superintendent and the West Vancouver police chief. Public safety will be a key focus of his campaign. He says he'll focus on housing and services for seniors as a candidate for the Richmond Rise Party. All right, a group of single mothers is challenging the province's legal aid system. They've launched a constitutional challenge about the program, saying it fails women fleeing abuse. But as Catherine Urquhart reports, the province is pushing back.
15: In BC Supreme Court, another twist in a years-long legal battle to help single mothers needing to use the court system.
14: Women and children fleeing abuse have no other choice but to go to court. But family court is out of reach for too many of us. You might think that legal aid would help. You'd be wrong.
15: In 2017, a lawsuit was launched by the Single Mothers Alliance against the province and Legal Aid BC. The claim? That family law legal aid in BC has been woefully inadequate for two decades, impacting women like Nicolina Bell, who escaped an abusive relationship Despite little income or assets, she was denied legal aid. After my daughter was born, my ex threatened to kill me and kidnap her from the NICU at the hospital. The hardest part was that when I filed for custody of my daughter and for her protection order, I didn't have counsel at the time. The provincial government has been fighting the suit, most recently with a three-day Supreme Court hearing this week questioning the Single Mothers Alliance public interest standing. The province's application reads, It is not enough that a potential would-be plaintiff feels strongly about an issue. An organization must show it is sufficiently engaged with a given issue in a substantive way so it can properly carry out the role of a plaintiff.
10: They're arguing that the Single Mothers Alliance, a grassroots volunteer organization started by single moms, to advocate for and empower one another is not a proper plaintiff to take the case to trial.
15: Legal Aid BC and the Attorney General wouldn't comment. A decision on whether the lawsuit proceeds to trial will come after the court hears arguments from all parties involved in the case. Catherine Urquhart, Global
0: News. Just ahead, new germ-fighting technology. How these reflective pods are dramatically lowering the risk of infection at BC hospitals. And how this picture is connected to a thief who may have pulled off the perfect crime.
12: Good evening, and a bit of good news, clearing stages of this major rollover crash here in Delta on Ladner Trunk Road and Highway 17A. Westbound traffic remains blocked, but it's starting to ease off in all directions. Get best-in-class protection and savings with BCAA Insurance. Learn more at bcaa.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a rollover crash in Delta.
0: Tipping has changed a lot in the past couple of years, with many customers boosting their gratuities to help make up for pandemic losses. But now, with inflation, some say it's time to recalculate. Global's Morgan Campbell reports.
14: It was a trend that began during the pandemic. Customers increasing how much they tipped while dining in or out.
5: About 5, possibly 10 percent. And the reason for that is because um, they were not making money during COVID situation.
14: While others maintained the pre-pandemic status quo.
13: I just stick to 15 percent. I don't overthink it.
14: According to a recent survey for restaurants Canada, Canadians are tipping about forty four percent more now compared to pre pandemic times in Ontario. That number sits above the national average at fifty three percent
5: The theory is that Ontario was closed down by far the most, so that 's probably why people in Ontario are tipping uh, higher than than most of the other uh, country, rest of the country but uh, you know, it's, it's great that people want to reward uh, uh, hard-working servers.
14: Tipping etiquette experts suggest if you are dining in, you should tip at least 18% compared to the 15% that used to be the norm. 15% um, is sort of the bottom end. 18 is the standard. 20 is excellent. So absolutely the percentage amount has gone up. And those in the industry say this has become the new normal
0: definitely has increased i hear that from my servers and i guess is the uh, thank you for us being here and surviving the uh, difficult days
14: even takeout providers are weighing in at least
16: they should give 10 to 15% tips at least they should give because we are doing so hard work here.
9: <laughs> they should give.
14: <laughs> University of Toronto marketing expert David Soberman says tipping options between eighteen and thirty percent could actually lead to
4: guilt tipping or fewer people dining out. In the past, when we used to pay with cash, you would sort of pay the bill and then you would actually leave money on the table or money under the plate. And so it was a it was done in a more subtle way, and that allowed people to leave an amount that they were comfortable with.
14: And for the frugal diners, if you are unsure as to how much you want to tip, sometimes it's easier just to pull out your calculator and calculate a tip percentage on top of your bill because sometimes Interact and credit card machines actually base a tip percentage on an already taxed bill. Morgan Campbell, Global News, Toronto.
0: One of the most iconic photos of Winston Churchill appears to have been swiped from an Ottawa hotel known as the Roaring Lion. It shows the leader on Parliament Hill moments after noted Canadian photographer Yusuf Karsh famously took a cigar out of Churchill's mouth. On Friday, a staff member at the Chateau Laurier Hotel noticed the photograph's frame didn't match those of the other images in the same room also taken by Karsh. The hotel determined the photograph had been swapped, replaced with a copy of the original. It's believed the photo was stolen sometime between Christmas Day 2021 and January 6, 2022. For nearly two years, a team of germ-fighting robots have helped clean hospital rooms in the Fraser Health region. Now the tech family is expanding with disinfection pods. They can clean the hard-to-reach areas of hospital equipment and kill bacteria using little more than ultraviolet light. And Kylie Stanton shows us how it works.
2: So right now uh, it's disinfecting the room.
16: Innovation has been at the forefront of the COVID-19 pandemic and this tool is no exception.
2: This is a
13: Xenex LightStrike robot.
16: Since 2020, 16 have been put to work in Fraser Health, some of which were funded by local hospital foundations. Using UVC light, they've disinfected surfaces and high touch points in nearly 62,000 hospital rooms across the region.
8: And the germ zapping robots were found to be really, really effective at completely deactivating the COVID virus.
16: But just as the pandemic has evolved, so too has the technology. What we have been able to acquire is pods that hook
15: up to the UVGI equipment, and they're like tents.
16: Two are now up and running, disinfecting things like wheelchairs and trays, targeting areas that have historically been difficult to reach. According to a Fraser Health study, there was an 88% reduction in the number of recoverable bacteria, on the equipment treated in the pod.
15: We are um, very optimistic that this will be part of our tools uh, in reducing infections. The
16: pods can be easily moved, collapsing so they can be rapidly deployed when needed, disinfecting small areas without having to close entire rooms, a major bonus given the pressure the healthcare system is under. We're really appreciative
15: of um, having this equipment because we can move equipment into them instead of um, leaving them in the rooms like we had previously done.
16: The two pieces together are now changing the game while potentially opening doors for the next tool
8: yet to come. It's just very uh, comforting to us and reassuring to know that we made a good investment and that the hospital is continuing to invest in this technology because it works.
16: Kelly Stanton,
8: Global News. Still ahead, a snapshot
0: from the distant past. When you look, it's the, uh, sublime. A local photographer resurrecting a long-forgotten art form. And coming up in sports, last chance for Little Mountain. The Vancouver Little Leaguers do Canada proud at the World Series. Lately, there have been significant investments in hydrogen production in some parts of Canada, including in BC, but not all hydrogen is created equal. And as Heather Yorick's West reports, for many would-be customers, the question of how hydrogen is extracted will play an important part in who they buy from.
17: With global temperatures and fuel costs rising, the global need for cheap and clean energy sources is unlike anything before. Clean burning hydrogen might just be the fix the world is looking for and Canada is ready to deal.
9: So we're beginning to see
3: the hydrogen economy uh, in sort of a variety of pilot programs which are really very exciting. A lot of it centered in the Edmonton industrial region.
17: Considered a clean fuel because when it burns hydrogen leaves only water behind. But the fuel can have a carbon footprint depending on how it's produced. Its carbon intensity coded in a system of nine colors. Green is the cleanest, produced using renewable energy like wind power. Gray, brown, and black hydrogen are the worst, hydrogen made from fossil fuels. Most hydrogen projects being explored and invested in Alberta are coded blue, still produced by fossil fuels like natural gas, but relying on carbon capture and storage systems. European markets want green hydrogen but those projects don't come cheap.
3: Green hydrogen is far from being cost competitive,
16: but of course with electricity rates at the level that they're at in Europe, uh, a lot of things start to look more attractive in comparison.
9: We just have to be realistic about our, like, the capacity of these new technologies. So LNG Canada produces around 330 times more energy than this uh, green energy GH2 facility can export.
17: It's why this deal isn't expected to turn the tide of Europe's energy crisis. Still, environmental groups say Germany is right to demand nothing less than a hydrogen completely green.
1: The climate impacts of using natural gas to make hydrogen are tremendous. Um, And it's a huge carbon bomb.
17: That's not to say there isn't interest in exporting Canada's blue hydrogen elsewhere, with Asian markets looking to bring this fuel source their way. Heather Urex West, Global News, Calgary.
0: A lot of issues to iron out for sure. All right, let's take a look at the weather as it stands outside right now. It's a beautiful summer day, and we'll get the latest on how much more of it we'll get from Christy right now.
11: Thanks so much, Chris. I think this is the uh, fourth sort of mini heat wave that we've seen so far this summer in terms of uh, actual heat warnings be issued. We've had some be added to the list right now. Here's a look. It's the inland sections of Vancouver Island, all of the east coast of Vancouver Island up to Campbell River but as far south as Duncan, uh, House Sound as well as the Sunshine Coast and then inland sections of the north and central coast and then the North Thompson. But I want you to remember really we're expecting this surge of heat right across southern BC. So for example, here's a look at Metro Vancouver inland sections will be in the low 30s, temperatures at night, tomorrow night, and again Thursday night, 17 to 19 degrees. So, in that uncomfortable range, at least it's just a two day event. So, we get relief on Friday. And for those of you in the interior, you'll feel relief on Saturday. So, only a three day event for you. We've had thousands of lightning strikes today and a surge in the number of fires in the last 24 hours by 30. So, we have a hundred sorry, 220 now burning. And look at the lightning strikes, still a severe thunderstorm watch and effect for the uh, Okanagan region as well as the Smilkmin and Nicola area. So keeping an eye on that we have had some severe thunderstorms in the Caribou region. Those now have ended but look at these lightning strikes. So again I expect there to be an impact on the number of fires across the province because of all the lightning we saw today. It came with rain thankfully but not enough and then again tomorrow afternoon we have a risk of thunderstorms. So the areas we'll be watching are the South Okanagan, the Kootenai region and even a chance in through the East Fraser Valley area and up towards Howe Sound along the North Shore Mountains. So again, keep your eye on the sky tomorrow afternoon. We are going to see that surge in heat tomorrow though, right across the province. So low 30s expected tomorrow night, not dropping down much at all. So uncomfortable for sleeping Wednesday night and again Thursday night before temperatures come down along the coast on Friday and then for those of you in the interior on Saturday. Here's tonight's central windows weather window. A gorgeous shot this was after uh, Drew had said that a, p- a thunderstorm had just passed through the area as the sun was setting, creating this beautiful sky. Thank you so much, Drew, for sharing that with us. That is the Skaha Lake area. All right, Chris, back to you.
0: Dead calm on the water, too. Well, when the weather's like this, I know where Squire would like to be, <laughs> but he's so dedicated to work, and this is, this is true. He'd like to be on the golf course. But,
8: but then again, so would mm-hmm. a lot of other people. That is true. Getting on a golf course these days, ever since COVID started. People seem to flock to golf courses. Yeah. Not as easy to get on as it used to be. Okay, uh, Vancouver's Ilrian Zali has dominated the Vancouver Golf Tour this year. And that means he's thinking even bigger things ahead.
9: Maybe even in the future to make it on the PJ Tour or whatnot. Uh, just like, you know, Hadwin before me here on this tour.
8: We'll take a look at just how much potential, yeah, he'll make it, this 20-year-old has. See, I told you. Pretty good putter. Also tonight, the bigger picture. A local hobbyist
0: snaps a moment in time with a camera from another era. All right, Squires here now with a look ahead to sports.
8: We'll talk about the uh, Little League team from Mm -hmm. Little Mountain in a moment, show what happened today against Curacao. But we talked quarterbacks yesterday, BC Lions quarterbacking situation. Now let's go down the I-5 and talk about Seattle's. After all that discussion of... Maybe the Seahawks trading for Baker Mayfield, or more recently, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo. It looks like the Seahawks' starting quarterback will be either Geno Smith or Drew Locke. And given their track record, that may seem to some like entering a Clydesdale in the Kentucky Derby. Or maybe Pete Carroll thinks he can develop an offense that doesn't require his starting quarterback to produce the kind of magic he needed from Russ Wilson over the years.
4: Here we go, third on, goal. Gino with room to run. Diving gets the touchdown.
8: It always seems like Gino Smith is someone Pete Carroll is more comfortable with as a starting quarterback, but the coach won't say if Gino's a lock over Drew Lock. Not yet, anyway.
18: I want to let the guys battle and let them show you know where they are and let us get as much information as possible. Um, Gino's done a really good job of being in that position. Uh, his voice is solid uh, hes he's on point all the time he's been very consistent with his work all of that and drew has been really sharp you know so what do, you know it's I know it's not supposed to be a good situation when you have two quarterbacks. It means you don't have one, as they'll saying, you know. But I don't know. We might have two ones.
8: Last week, Geno Smith had the start against Chicago because Drew Locke was out with COVID. And he didn't make a lot of positive things happen. So this Friday against Dallas, the final exhibition game, will be a final chance for Drew Locke, who's now healthy, to stake his claim for the number one job.
18: Drew needs to play a lot of football, you know, because he missed a game. So that's, that's the main thing that I get, uh, get done on this weekend.
8: And since the Seahawks' first regular season game isn't until September 12th, Pete Carroll will take his time before making a decision.
18: Um, We've got a lot of time here to work it out on my schedule. Maybe you're not feeling that schedule, but on my schedule, I'm okay.
8: All right, there are the fans from Little Mountain Little League watching Canada take on Curacao, representing the Caribbean. This is the kind of defense Curacao has. They haven't committed an error in this tournament yet. Keyshore Hinkle. That's on the ground, but it's hard to grab. It drives in a run, so the Caribbean is up 1-0. Alexander Provascia, and it will end up being 4-0 in the third for Curacao. Now, Canada made a little bit of a rally in the last inning. Benjamin Dartnell scoring in a run to make it 4-1. They get another one on a pass ball, but that's the strikeout that ends it. So Canada started with two wins, but then lost to Mexico and Curacao, and they are out of the tournament.
0: That was a ball. Sorry, I couldn't couldn't contain myself.
8: Couldn't contain myself. (laughs) Uh, Apparently, it ended in controversy, according to Chris Galas. (laughs) The uh, Vancouver Golf Tour has been a great tour for local golfers to improve their tournament play, which is a lot different than just going out and playing 18 holes with your buddies, no matter how good you are. And the latest to hone his skills on the VGT is 20-year-old Ilyrian
4: Zali, who had a very impressive 2022. Ilyrian Zali has made countless putts at Fraserview Golf Course, but this one on the first playoff hold win the Johnston Meyer Vancouver Open rolled in with a deeper meaning attached to it. Not only was it the 20-year-old's fifth win of the Vancouver Golf Tour season, it happened on the course that he literally grew up on.
9: Uh, it's, it's incredibly special. I mean, you know, I play pretty much on the Vancouver Golf Tour full-time. And this is the biggest tournament, regardless of of my affiliation here. But to be able to win it here, my home course, I live walking distance from here and I've watched the tournament as a kid as well. And everything came together. It was was kind of an amazing experience.
4: Amazing on a few levels, Zali's initial plan was to roam the fairways as a collegiate golfer. He was a semester into his college career when COVID hit, wiping out all amateur competition. That meant no competitive golf, unless he decided to turn pro. Because the Vancouver Golf Tour is providing a safe social distance playing field during the pandemic. So as an 18-year-old, the former BC Junior champion did just that. He's now won seven times in a short period of time.
3: It's impressive. You know, I, I look back what uh, Adam Hadwin did in 2009, 10, 11. You know, Adam was 23, 24 years old. It took him till he's about 24, 24 years old to win the Vancouver Open. So at 20 years old, you know, and already winning seven times on our tour the
0: last two years. Very impressive.
4: How much do you think you have played this golf course over the years, starting from what
9: age? Um, About four years old, maybe a thousand times, I think. Maybe that's even a low estimate. (laughs) It's quite a bit, yeah. Zoli has
4: all the prerequisites required of a pro. His short game oozes confidence. He's steady off the tee regardless if he's hitting an iron or driver with four hole-in-ones to his credit and is more than capable of taking it low with a 10 under 62 on his playing resume. Zali's Vancouver Open victory, which also clinched the Vancouver Golf Tour's Order of Merit, has earned him a spot into next month's PJ Tour Canada event in Kelowna. His strengths are definitely just his, his consistency off the tee. He just absolutely pounds it off the tee, and he just,
9: his misses are just not really there. He's got a very compact swing. Honestly, I've been playing so well recently, I, I guess my expectations have changed a little bit. Hopefully, maybe to get status on, on a larger tour for next season. Um, obviously nothing's guaranteed but uh, maybe even in the future to make it on the pj tour or whatnot
8: got a hand at the phrase review for a municipal yeah. course city course good course okay so after spending most of the summer putting out the vibe he wanted to be traded kevin durant is now staying with the brooklyn nets we aren't sure if he changed his mind or if he was told by ownership that they were holding him to his contract and refusing his trade request reports also said he was unhappy with steve nash being the Nets coach, but Nash will stay as the Brooklyn coach this coming season as well.
0: There you go. All right, thank you very much, Squire. Next on the News Hour, a BC photographer who always looks at the big picture, snapping some stunning images along the way. This is BC with Jay Durant, is brought to you in part by Van Cam Freightways, BC owned and operated for 75 years. Jordan Armstrong is here now with a preview of what's coming up on Global News tonight at 11. Jordan? Chris, more evidence tonight
3: that B.C. Emergency Health Services continues to fail in providing adequate service to some communities. Twice this past weekend, a firefighter had to get behind the wheel of an ambulance on Gabriela Island due to a lack of B.C. ambulance staff. The fire chief says this is not a workable solution. His demand to the province at 11. Plus, IHIT has just identified the man who was stabbed to death yesterday outside a Mission gas station. 26-year-old David Leggett was killed and three people have been arrested. These stories and more tonight on
0: Global News at 11. Chris. All right, Jordan, thank you very much. Now, the convenience of snapping photos with your phone can't be denied. But there's a lot of value in the way they used to do it long before social media was a thing. In tonight's episode of This Is B.C., Jay Durant introduces us to a local man who travels around in a converted RV with a camera he can't even carry by himself. Wow. There is a lot of work to do before framing a first shot.
10: A little bit hard.
5: Some heavy lifting for house. Bill Howe and his wife, Crystal. We're almost, we almost there. They're setting up this massive camera Bill spent two years creating. All for a very specific type of photography invented in the 1850s. The white plate clothing uh, looks so cool. So much for point and shoot. Bill's passion for capturing the perfect picture is a little more involved. And I work here. The tour bus operator has turned one of his old rigs into a traveling dark room. Everything I need in, in here. For the past year, they've been riding around Western Canada capturing some amazing landscapes. Crystals become an expert on spotting ideal conditions.
10: When he in the dark room, uh, I will be using uh, walkie-talkie. Uh, tell him how the weather is, and uh, how about uh, the cloud is beautiful or not. The couple met in high school,
5: right around the same time Bill got into photography. But no other technique has captured his imagination quite like this. When you look, is the uh, sublime. Despite all the hard work and some developing mishaps, it's all worth it when everything comes together.
10: Even the door is closed, he will uh, yell at me. Crystal, come to see, come to see. It is so amazing.
5: Bill's been too busy building cameras and converting tour buses to think about selling any of his work just yet. One day that will happen. Right now, they're still looking for perfect shots and fine tuning a technique that's over 170 years old. This all you see is
10: the picture. Every day we will face a problem. Every day we solve problem. But I can say every day we are growing.
5: For me, it's more beautiful than the landscape.
0: Jay Durant, Global News. Just incredible images. Well, if you know someone who has a great story to tell, something you want to show the rest of BC, just email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at Got to give a shout out to Little Mountain. It was tough to see them go down against Curacao today, but they did Canada proud at the Little League World Series. So way to go to them. And last word on weather before we go. Christy?
11: Thanks. So we still have a number of thunderstorms in through the interior. Remember, when thunder roars head indoors, tomorrow risk even in through the East Fraser Valley and along the mountains up near uh, House Sound. Uh, But otherwise, sunshine and heat, that's the name of the game for the next two days, everyone. So keep yourself cool.
0: All right. Thanks very much. Thanks for watching, everyone. Have a great night. See you tomorrow.